So this morning, okay, we, we tackled this, this giant a couple of weeks ago, anxiety, and we tackled that giant last week called um, loss. And this morning, we're looking at a giant who goes by the name of debt. Okay, now debt is um, maybe not something that you would think of um, initially. Maybe that's not something you would think, well, yeah, when I think of some of the major problems that we face in society today, but actually debt really is uh, a pretty large problem. I don't know if you've ever been to this website. It's called usdebtclock.org. It's fascinating and it's scary. It's kind of a live video website that shows you just the the state of the, the national debt right now in the United States. And as you go on there, you see that it's growing every second. Right now, the official debt of the United States government is $17.6 trillion. Now, I just can't get my head around that. But as I was doing some some research and looking, I found out that that number climbs by $100,000 every second. $100,000 more in debt every second. So that's like $100,000. Every time I click my finger, we go another $100,000 into debt. $100,000, $100,000, $100,000. So how are we going to stop this? I'm going to stop clicking my finger because it's causing a problem. (laughs) Right there. It's just stopped. We've solved the problem. But no, it's just crazy, and we just can't wrap our heads around this. And actually, we've become so accustomed to it that we've almost become numb to it. 17.5 trillion, I don't even know how many zeros that is. How many zeros makes up 17.6 trillion dollars? $100,000 a second? How does that impact me? Well, it impacts us as a nation. Because you see, if you break those numbers down, it works out to about $138,240 for every household in the United States or $55,000 for every person in the United States. And the reason I throw these numbers out is to show that um, you know, we're not the only nation that struggles with financial problems like this. I did some research and I discovered that Norway is a country in Europe, a Scandinavian country. They too have money problems as a nation. There's actually an ongoing debate in that country as to what should happen with the financial problem that they have. In fact, there's a lot of political divide over what they should do. Because you see, the problem in Norway is that their government doesn't have any debt. No, in actual fact, Norway has a surplus of money in the bank. They reckon it's about $250,000 per person, per Norwegian person, stored up in the Norwegian banks. And I don't really understand how all that works. I'm sure it's not like it. But their, their, their gross amount of savings is $250,000 per person. Compared to the US, there's $55,000 in debt per person. So their problem is they've got too much money. They don't know what to do with it. They're not really sure how they're going to apply it. Now, let me make things very clear here this morning. I'm not trying to make any kind of political comment here. I'm not going to try and present an idea here in the next 20 minutes or so of how we can solve our country's debt problem. I'm simply using these numbers, these stats, to illustrate the fact that debt is a problem on a national level. And for us here this morning, it's a giant that's impacting our nation. It's a giant that impacts our nation at large. Which makes it, I think, probably one of the deadliest giants of them all. Because you see, anxiety and loss, they can creep into our lives and they can affect some individuals and not others. And when they come, they have a detrimental effect upon our lives. Anxiety has a detrimental effect. Loss has a detrimental effect. We're going to talk next week about divorce. A detrimental effect. But the problem is that when when we're in a nation that has its own debt problems, that giant gets a little bit more disguised. 
You see, there's a verse in the, uh, um, a book called Proverbs, okay, written by a wise man by the name of Solomon. And he says this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. He says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And that can be applied to many different things in our life, but I actually think that can be applied just to this whole concept, this whole philosophy of debt. Because we actually kind of live in this nation where it appears to be right, it appears to be acceptable, it appears to just be kind of how life is. Well, that's, that's just how life is. And sometimes, you see, we have this problem. We look towards Washington, D.C., and we wave our fists, and we say, look at this problem. Look at these trillions of dollars. Whereas in actual fact, for many of us, debt is just as great of a problem in our lives as it is in the nation's capital. We have to consider this. Maybe debt wouldn't be a problem in the White House if it wasn't first a problem in my house or your house. We shake our heads at the government, but at the same time, I discovered this week that the average American household has a mortgage and a car loan or two, and then on top of that, at least three credit cards. And on average, each household with a credit card carries more than $15,000 in credit card debt. The college graduating class of 2013, this is going to be great news for you parents with kids in college, they averaged $35,200 in debt. I discovered that in total, in the United States, we have $2 trillion in unsecured debt in credit card and school loans. So that is one part of the problem. The second part of the problem, what really kind of gets us into trouble in the first time, why so many of us struggle with debt, um, is it's quite complex. It's actually very difficult to understand this second part of the problem that causes debt. I wish I had more time to unpack it this morning and really explain why we find ourselves in the financial mess that we sometimes do. And really the best way I can f do that is that I found this educational video that I think might help just kind of summarize the problem we find ourselves in. So check this out. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called, Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. <laughs> well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. 
Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. <laughs> You know, we laugh along, but there's so much truth in that, isn't there? In 2012, there was a study done. It was discovered that over 50% of people that live in America spend more than they earn several months out of the year. So today, we, we can't solve the nation's debt problem, but I think some of us need to listen to what's being said today. Because for some of us, what we will find as we, as we face this giant is that, that we're going to discover some, some keys to finding our own small, smooth stone that we can use to, to, to put in a sling and hurl at the giant of debt that, that we've so easily fallen ensnared to because as a nation, it's just such a common thing. Maybe some of us haven't even thought of it as a giant because that's just the way it is. But what if God had created us to not, be, to not live this way? What if God had created us to be free from this? Because the reality is, this giant of debt, he doesn't just sit quietly and leave us alone. He has an impact on our lives. Before we get into some of the practical ways that we can tackle debt head on and maybe try and solve the debt problem in our lives, let's just have a look at a couple of ways here that debt can impact us individually. The first way I thought of is that debt impacts your attitude and it steals your joy. If you're here this morning and, and debt is a, is a giant in your life, you, you have you know, debt in your life, whether it's credit cards, that kind of thing, and it's, it's influencing your finances, it can impact your attitude, it can steal your joy. Let me give you an example of how that can take place. Let's say a Girl Scout comes to your door. She's selling cookies. You're going to buy some, right? I mean, come on. She's a Girl Scout. Who's going to say no to a Girl Scout? It's genius. They've, they've figured it out. So, so obviously, you're going to buy some. Well, if you're debt-free, if debt's not an issue for you, it's a joy to buy them. You're helping a good cause. In return, you're going to be munching on some thin mints in a couple of weeks. This is just a win-win. It's a great opportunity. Now, what if, same situation, and you're in debt? Well, the truth is, you're still going to buy some. I mean, it's a Girl Scout. Come on. But your attitude's different. Stinking Girl Scouts. How much for a box of cookies? I could get cookies at Walmart for a third of that price. They're, they're out to scam us. It's, it's a Girl Scout conspiracy. And, and our attitude changes with every simple transaction, every simple financial situation we face. This, our attitude is different. It can steal our joy. We, we, we go out to dinner with family or friends. We may be on vacation, but all the time in the back of our mind, it's thinking, how much is this costing us? How much is this going to impact my life? You know, the second way is that debt impacts your relationships. It doesn't just steal your joy and your, your attitude. It impacts your relationships. Debt causes us to be stressed, to get angry, to be worried. We tend to take it out on each other. Angry, worried, and stressed out people, they don't make for great friends. I discovered that the average married couple that divorces in the first seven years, that 90% of those people say that money was what caused most of the fighting. Now, it doesn't actually clarify what the fight was over money, but my guess is that it wasn't over the fact that they had too much of it and couldn't decide how to spend it. 
My guess is that if money was an issue in those marriages that led to a divorce, it probably was because they didn't have enough of it or they weren't managing it the best way they could. You know, the final way, and and for me as a pastor in a church, I think this is huge, that debt can actually impact your difference-making. Debt can impact your difference-making. Here's what I mean by this. Um, Every one of us wants to make a difference in our lives. Some of you are are regular attenders. You've called Connect your home, and you see opportunities to make a difference um, through the ministries of Connect in the world in which we live. A couple of months ago, we introduced you to an organization called Compassion International. It's an organization that sponsors children from around the world that are living in poverty. And we gave you the opportunity to make a difference in the life of a child by sponsoring them monthly. You know, I wonder if there were some of you here this morning that that because of the situation you find yourselves in, struggling financially, you were were in a place of saying, I want to do that, but I can't. We told you about an opportunity that that we as Connect have taken on to build a church in Ecuador. Our goal is to raise $20,000 and to partner with three other churches who are also going to raise $20,000 each. Because we discover that it only takes $80,000 to build a church in Ecuador. And in building that church, we will will be releasing hundreds of kids from poverty. Because Compassion can come in and sponsor those children and work with those families in those communities. So we took up an offering, and since then people have given. And thanks to that offering and those gifts, we are $7,000 closer to that $20,000 goal. We've raised $7,000 towards $20,000 of that church plant. And I'm confident that by um, the middle of next year, we'll have raised all of that. We'll be sending that off, and we'll be telling stories. And I think some of you, you're like, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to help that, but I, I can't right now because of this bill and that bill. Even on a Sunday morning when the offering bags go by, those who attend regularly, do you recognize the, the stories you hear told at Connect on a regular basis? Stories of people finding and following Jesus. Stories of marriages being restored. Stories of kids that are excited every Sunday morning to come to church and learn about Jesus. Stories of families that we as a church have been able to help here in the community that were impacted by the tornado. These stories can only be told... Because people every week faithfully put money in those offering bags. And some of you, you want to be a part of helping make those stories come true. But as those bags go by, you're like, man, but I'm struggling here or this, this debt here or this bill here. It might be something else, but you've come to a point where your heart is moved by God, but your wallet is empty because you've spent everything. You want to be a part of making a difference, but you couldn't give. You didn't have anything to give. Why? Because you're in debt. Because you are face to face with the giant of debt. And debt can even impact our difference making. So this morning I want us to give some, some, some keys, some, some practical tips to how we, can, how we can confront that giant of debt. How we can face him head on. How we can even start to, to chip away and be there. I wish that we could just, just eliminate it overnight. But for some of us it's going to take time and it's going to take work and effort. But if we're willing to commit to it, we can do that. So as I was trying to study to find out the best way to, to figure this out, the best way, I, I came across someone who I'm sure many of you have heard of. His name's Dave Ramsey. He teaches a lot on this, and what I like about Dave Ramsey is that not everyone agrees with every aspect of his financial expertise, but but there are two great things about Dave Ramsey. Number one, the guy is a Christ follower. He loves Jesus. So everything he teaches, he filters through, through scriptures, through his beliefs in Christ. The second thing I love about him is he's passionate about seeing people get out of debt. 
He's passionate about seeing people break those chains that, that, that impact their attitude, that, that impact their families, that stop them from being difference makers. So as I'm reading through his notes, I'm thinking, you know what? He'd do a much better job about talking about this than me. So I want to introduce, <laughs> I'd love to introduce, <laughs> that would be great. Some of you are like, awesome. Guys, we're not even a year old, let's be honest. <laughs> so, um, so this morning, we're going to come live via satellite. If it's not even live, it's pre-recorded via satellite from a church down in Oklahoma City. Dave Ramsey was speaking there um, a few months back, and uh, he did this sermon on getting out of debt, and I'm going to give you the last half of that sermon. Um, so you're going to get to hear two funny accents this morning, this British one, and pretty soon this Tennessee one. But um, he's going to talk with some real practical tips, and uh, he's going to allude to a handout. We've got that handout available here at the back. So I'm going to turn over to the video right now, and we're going to figure out how we can get out of debt. This is from Life Church TV, a, a pastor by the name of Craig Grishel down in Oklahoma City, and this is Dave Ramsey speaking at that church. So check out the screens. How do you get out? Well, the first thing was I discovered, I was, I was reading through Proverbs. If you read Proverbs over and over and over again, you get a master's degree in finance. It's amazing. There's 31 Proverbs, so you can read one a day. Just get your little spiritual one a day. And so I'm doing my little spiritual one a day one morning, and I've read through this a bazillion times, and I've heard this. People call in on my radio show. They're getting out of debt, and they say, I'm getting out of debt. They have this thing in their voice that tells me that they're going to make it. And then the others, they call in. They're like, well, dude, sort of kind of like maybe this strategy, and maybe it'll work sort of maybe. So what sort of do you do? I'm like, well, I can't help you. Call me back. I didn't know what it was, but I said, like, call me back when you're mad or something, you know? you got to get that thing going, you know? And I couldn't put my finger on it, and I was reading through Scripture one morning, and I hit Proverbs 6, 1 through 7. And it says, if you've signed surety, my son, which is old English Bible talk, forgot yourself in debt. If you've gotten yourself in debt, do this. Now, I teach people how to get out of debt, and I wanted to be out of debt, and so I saw a do this and my little ears went, oh, 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 because I had a spiritual experience a few years ago. I discovered God is smarter than me. <laughs> and when he says, you're here and you don't want to be here, so do this, I'm listening for what comes after that. That's a big deal. If you're in debt, biblically, do this. Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids, and deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. And I promise you, it's not very reverent, but I promise you I went, great, gazelles. What am I going to do with gazelles? Great little animal metaphor, talk about it in Sunday school. But, I mean, how are you going to talk to people about gazelles and death? This doesn't. That night, God answered my prayer. I was scanning the channels, and I hit the Discovery Channel. And there on the Discovery Channel, there was the gazelles. They were out there gazelling around. And what were they doing? Well, I said, well, you know, here it is. There's the gazelles. And you know the gazelles were not there by themselves, right? You know somebody else was around, right? Looking for lunch in all the right places. And gazelles, they have a cheetah detector right behind their ear. When they see a cheetah, they go like, uh-oh, cheetah, run! <laughs> now, the Discovery Channel said that the, the cheetah is the fastest animal on dry land. We had to slow this down so I'd have time to talk. He goes from zero to 47 miles an hour in four leaps. Now, it's starting to come clear to me. Here's how you get out of debt. You deliver yourself like the gazelle from the hand of the hunter. The primary predator of the gazelle is the cheetah. Here's how you get out of debt. You run! You got a busted! You got, look, he picked out the college student, didn't he? 
Hey, hey, you want a free hat? Hey, I'll give you a t-shirt. Just sign up for this credit card. You want a pizza? Hey, come here, kid. You need to build up your FICO score. Come here, kid. That was how you get out of debt. You got to run, baby. You got to put it in gear. You got to go, 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 go. Kick it, baby. Kick it. You know how long we had to look for a clip where he gets away? <laughs> the truth is that the cheetah doesn't catch the gazelle, but one in 19 times, and yet he can outrun him. Isn't that weird? What a great metaphor. Cheetah's after your family. Run! This is how you get out of debt. You pop it. Around our place, we find out that people get out of debt when they get gazelle intensity. When they quit caring what their broke friends think and their family who needs counseling thinks. They quit worrying about everybody else's opinion about what they drive. And they sell, they amputate the $40,000 Tahoe. And they're driving a hoopty. <laughs> a piece of junk. They're going to drive like no one else so that later they get to drive like no one else because they want to change their family tree. They want to send their kids to college. They want to change how their grandkids live and their great-grandkids live. A godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. They want to change, and they get fired up. When you get fired up, you'll get out of debt. You can wander into debt, honey, but you can't wander out. you got to bust it. The, the, the gravitational pull is too strong. It holds you in the orbit. You have to kick the energy to break the orbit. It's the only chance you make it. And if you do, if you do it long enough, eventually you get to chase the cheetah. <laughs> Thank you, Photoshop. <laughs> Second thing we're going to teach you to do is you need to do the debt snowball. The debt snowball is where you list all of your debts, smallest to largest. You pay minimum payments on everything but the little one, and you attack the little one regardless of the interest rate. Well, my medical bills don't have any interest on them. Shut up and pay off the smallest one. Well, shouldn't we pay off the highest interest rate first? Wouldn't that be mathematically correct? Darling, if we were doing math, we wouldn't have credit card debt. <laughs> this is about behavior modification. The problem with my money is the guy in my mirror. i got to change my behaviors. We had one mom going through our courses and put great big debt snowball. The form's on the back of your handout, by the way. The great big debt snowball blew it up, put it on her refrigerator door. She'd draw a big red line through it every time she knocked one out. And the kids said she'd be walking through the kitchen looking at that thing going... You're going down. <laughs> the kids are like, mom's losing it. But you got to have a game plan. When you knock off that smallest one, you feel good. It's like going on a diet and losing weight. When you knock that next one off, you feel good. Every time you pay off one, you got more money to attack the next one down. The snowball rolls over. It gets bigger. By the time you get to the bottom, you are wired. Because it's, you know, it's like, you know, it's amazing. I ran, my, ran two marathons one day the other day. <laughs> my first and my last all in one day. Um... <laughs> But it's amazing. I run halves now. A whole marathon is just too tough for an old guy. But, but I run these halves, and it's amazing to me. I can run for two hours or an hour and a half. I can run 13 miles, and I'm running along for all this time, and I can still have a little bit left to sprint at the end. Isn't that weird? It's because you can see the end. When you can see the end, and the light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train, you can go. And you go, that's it. That's the last one. <sighs> You get this thing going, you know, and people are like, just stay away from them. They're getting out of debt. They're just, they're, they, are, they are weird people. And you become weird people because, by the way, normal is broke. You don't want to be normal. The Bible says be a peculiar people. I made it an art form. 
So there's five things you need to do with doing the debt snowball and with your gazelle intensity. Five steps out of debt. Let's look at them. The first one is you need to save money. You need to save money. We teach people the very first thing they do with money, what we call baby step one, is save $1,000. As fast as you can, get a little bit of a savings account. Because if you just get in there and you start cutting up your credit cards and you have no money and your tire is flat, then you're like, you know, you're in here going, okay, I'm, I'm getting out of debt. That's it. I'm, I'm cutting these things up. I'm done, baby. That's it. I'm done. And, and then you go out there and your tire's flat. You'll be back in here going, where's the crazy glue? Because <laughs> you've been leaning on these things. They're a rubber crutch, but you've been leaning on them. So you put a little bit of money aside as your first thing. Save some money. That's the first step. The next step is you got to quit borrowing more money. You can't get out of a hole while you dig out the bottom. So you got to say, that's it. No matter what happens, no matter what the situation, no matter how desperate or how intriguing or what the big opportunity is, I am not borrowing money anymore. And you get these things out, and you have a plasectomy party. And if you've got kids, have your kids help you cut them. Because your kids will remember that. When you're at the store, you say, you remember? You cut up, we cut up the cards, remember? I want that. I don't have any money. I cut up the cards. Remember, you helped me cut them up. <laughs> but the kids will remember. You'll run into your kid 30 years later. They're 36 years old, and they'll remember that day they were 6 years old, and the family tree was changed. They'll feel it in their emotions. Things happen when families take a stand. It, things start to shift. It's a behavior modification issue. It's a matter of character. It's a matter of where you're going to live. I'm not borrowing money anymore. Next time I get ready to buy a car, I'm going to save a car payment for 10 months and write a check and buy cash. See, a car payment's $478. You put that in a cookie jar for 10 months, you got $5,000. Will that buy a little car? Say yes. Do I want to drive that car forever? Say no. I don't want to drive a $5,000 car forever. But I could drive it for 10 more months while I saved up another $5,000. Then I'd have a $10,000 car, right? Because the good news about that $5,000 car is it isn't going down much in value. It's pretty well done. <laughs> I'm not borrowing money anymore. And then God will go, this is a test. <laughs> when your transmission goes out, right? Now what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And then he has the opportunity to show up. I had a friend of mine decided he wasn't borrowing money anymore. Three weeks later, his car engine blew up. He had no money. He had to have the car to get to work. He called me. He said, what do you do? I said, I don't know what you do, but I'll tell you what you got to do. You gotta, this is a decision. Right now, you're deciding how you're going to live the rest of your life. Right now. This is a hinge pin moment. A guy at his church, he was telling him what was going on. A guy at his church goes, man, I got, a, I got an old pickup back here. It's not anything fancy, but you can drive it for a few weeks. He drove that old pickup for three months, saved up, paid cash for a little car. The guy has a pile of money now. That was just a few years ago. But he made a decision in that moment and allowed one of God's people to show up. God showing up through his people. Go figure. To help him out and walk him through this thing. Quit borrowing more money. The third one is prayer really works. Now, I'm not a theologian. I'm just kind of a regular guy that loves Jesus. And, and, but I'll tell you this. The way I got it figured out is this. You're deeply in debt and your heavenly father is crazy about you. God in heaven thinks you're awesome. You're deeply in debt. And, oh, good news, he owns everything. He's really rich. Your dad is rich, and you're in debt. Phone home, E.T. 
check in, call home. Now, I'm not saying God's going to give stupid people money because they will lose it. But if you're on a plan, I can tell you this. Over the years of counseling people, I've watched people year after year after year who are getting out of debt and are gazelle intense. I've watched their incomes go up as they're doing that. Blessings occur. It's kind of mystical and weird. Not really. It's kind of practical. You now became trustworthy, worthy of trust. And the father looks and says, Hmm, that one's growing a brain. <laughs> we may be able to use that one. I don't want to phone home. He's mad at me. He's not mad at you. Well, you don't know what I've done, Dave. Listen, how many of you have had enough kids that you had a stupid one? <laughs> God has some stupid kids. And don't you love the stupid one anyway? I mean, I don't care if I get an A or a C. I mean, I care, but I mean, I love the C as much as I love the A, don't I? Because I'm a loving father, and I'm an imperfect father. He loves you anyway. If you phone home with the right attitude and you had not called home in a while, he's not mad at you. As a matter of fact, he'll throw a party, give you a new suit of clothes, put a gold ring on your finger, and serve filet mignon. It's in there. Look it up. It'll change your life. Prayer really works. Ask for some help. Number four, sell something. Sell so much stuff the kids think they're next. <laughs> Name the dog eBay. Put the kid and I mean, put the cat on Craigslist. You got to sell stuff. If it's not bolted down, dump it. Not that Craigslist. Has he got his own list? Oh my gosh. Most of you don't need to sell your house. Most of you, that's not it. But some of you need to sell your car. Some of you are out of control. I have people call me up, you know, Dave, I make $32,000 a year. How do I fund my kid's college? Uh, well, uh, how much do you owe on your car? I was calling about college. <laughs> yeah, I know, but how much do you owe on your car? 28000 You make 32000 you're driving a $28,000 car. Dude, that's stupid. See, that's biblical counsel right there. <laughs> Amputate the Tahoe. You can't get traction with a $600 car payment, and nobody's impressed, really. They're not. They act like they are, and about 20 minutes after the toxic smell wears off the new car smell, they're not impressed anymore. That's it. N number five, take a part-time job or an extra job or some overtime or something like that. My grandmother used to say there's a great place to go when you're broke. To work. <laughs> work is a surefire money-making scheme. If you read Scripture, our God is a God of work. The diligent prosper. Don't work, don't eat. It's all in there. I'm just praying and waiting on God. No, that's Christian for lazy. <laughs> There's a time you wait on God. I'm just kidding around. But, but a lot of times when my brothers and sisters in Christ say that, I just give them a little kick. Move. Get moving. You know, because you're just rationalizing in the name of Christ being lazy. Get off your tail end and go kill something. you got to get up, leave the cave, kill something, and drag it home. That's how it works, man. We're a people of action. We're not a people of passivity. We're people that's proactive and causes things to happen. Get out there and knock something down, man. Make a mess somewhere. You know, that, go, go make some money. It, it'll solve a lot. Of, there's only two sides of the equation, the income and the outgo. Got to get the outgo down and the income up. Creates margin in the middle for giving and saving. This is the formula. So you really do have to make some more money. Do you want to work crazy for the rest of your life? No. You work like no one else, so later you can work like no one else. You know when I work? Whenever I want. You know why? Because I used to work all the time. Now I do what I want to do. When I want to do it, I'm spoiled rotten. But there's a way you get there. You spoil yourself rotten. 
by pouring on the coals, making a difference for a period of time, intensity for a short period of time, blows things up. Do these five steps. They will absolutely get you out of debt every time. Think about it with me. If you had no payments, if you were gazelle intense and you used the debt snowball and you prayed and you worked extra and you quit borrowing more money and you sold stuff and you got completely out of debt, breathe that in, no payments. Man, if you didn't have any payments, how much could you save? Wow. How much could you invest without a house payment? You know, you invest a house payment, how fast that's a million dollars? You could do some stuff with a million dollars. How much could you give if you had no payments? Talked to a lady the other day, paid off her house, and she said, you know, I've been wanting a dining room suit for so long, and now I can buy a dining room suit every month. <laughs> Isn't it weird? I had a weird experience after we got completely out of that. I was walking through the mall, and I saw all this stuff, and I could buy anything in there, and suddenly I didn't want any of it. It was the weirdest thing. It changes your life. It releases you. To be who you really are. Your father has a plan for you. And it's not to serve other masters. It's to serve the master. And it's hard to do that while you're being pulled in 62 different directions. Bust free, baby. Get gazelle intense. Run! Bust into this thing. It's, it, it's a violent process. Embrace the violence. It'll change everything. And it'll take you exactly where you need to go. Father God, I just ask that you remove a spirit of debt from these households that are represented here over the airwaves and that are represented here in this room. That Father, that you take your, these folks' eyes off of stuff and you put their eyes on the future that you have for them and you give them a vision. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. And we are perishing as a people. Lord, just step into this situation and pour your spirit on it and remove this need for stuff. And then allow us, Father, to have the stuff that you want us to have because a loving Father gives us good gifts. And we're thankful for the things you do give us. We enjoy nice things from you, but we need to know they're from you and not from FICO. So, Father, show these folks how to do this stuff. Inject a spirit of gazelle intensity into everyone watching this right now. In Jesus' name, amen.